You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hallelujah. How many people love Jesus? We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the love that you have for us. All that you have done. All that you have done for us. We are so grateful. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us not to fail you when it comes to love. Thank you. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. All right. This morning, I want to share with us on what I call compelling motivations for obedience. Somebody say compelling motivations for obedience. All right. We, if we, if we are going to be his disciples, we must be obedient. Okay? Yeah. A disciple is always obedient. Yeah. True disciple. It's not it's not the the it's not just being sounding like a Christian that that means you are a disciple. No, you have to be obedient. Okay? All the things that Jesus said in Matthew 28 when he gave us the great commission in verse in verse uh, 19 Matthew 28:19 he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations right baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit right and he says teaching them to obey, teaching them to observe, teaching them to do that which I have told you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Teaching them. So, part of the Great Commission has to do with obedience. All right. So, there are many Christians who are going to stand before God in eternity and will be full of regrets because of the life of disobedience that they lived, even though they are in heaven, but they would not, they would not, <laughs> they'll be, they'll be so sad that they didn't obey when they had the opportunity to obey. All right. My Lord. So let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to give it to me in the NLT. Let me read in the NLT before we come to the New King James. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In the New Living translation all right it says for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down that is when we die and leave this earthly body 
we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. All right? Keep going. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. I don't know about you. There are times I just feel that this body is just, is just restricting me. Do you feel that way sometimes? Sometimes the body gets weary. Sometimes the body gets weak. Sometimes the body gets sluggish. You want to move faster, but your body is like... Sometimes you want to do so much, but your body wants, doesn't want to. Yeah. So we're weary in our present bodies. Sometimes you just get exhausted. You get tired. There is a body God prepared for us that will never get tired. You know, before the fall, Adam never got tired. Yes. All right, let's read on. Come on. So, it says, For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Okay? Some people have this impression that when we die, we'll just be floating around the place. You know, No, no, no. Like Caspar the ghost. <laughs> the friendly ghost. <laughs> no, that's not it. There is a body that God has prepared for us. Okay, let's read on. Come on. Yes. It says, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Right now, this, this physical body is what is clothing your spirit man. This body, your body is, like somebody said, is a coat, is an earth suit that enables you to operate and to function on the earth. All right? So, uh, uh, the reason why demons like to possess people is because demons have no body, no no physical body to express themselves. So they have, they need a body to enter into in order to express themselves. So, so far as the earth is concerned, for you to operate, you need a body. So God has given us this body to enable us to function. But this body, because of the effect of sin, has its limitations. Okay, it has its limitations. So it says, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. <laughs> yeah, there are many times I wish I could put on my resurrection body right now. There is, there is a body. You know, there have been times that there have been manifestations of the Spirit. And I've had like, on, dif on different occasions, three that um, I can remember where, oh no, four, okay. Four that I can remember where people say that they look at me and they see my face was like that of an angel. That is a heavenly body that God just gave somebody a glimpse to just see it. Hallelujah. 
I remember a time that it was like the whole church saw it. And they were saying, you know, what happened there that moment? It was like there was a, a for a few seconds, God just opened that curtain and people saw it. And then they began to, you know, it was an awesome time in God's presence. But each and every one of us has that. You have that body. Amen. You have that body and God wants, God has prepared that for you. And there is going to be a time that will put that on. So that's what Paul is talking about here. Let's read on. Okay. Yeah. So he says, God himself has prepared us for this. And a guarantee. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that you have is the deposit that God gave. He gave the Holy Spirit to you as proof that he is going to give you this new body. You're going to have a new body. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're going to have a new body. A body that doesn't need makeup, ladies. It's permanently in a state. A body that has no spot. No wrinkle. Come on. A body that is perfect. A body that just, that never ages. Come on. How about that? Yeah. You know, you, you know that the cosmetic business is a big business. And the anti-aging business is a big business. Come on, everything. Anti-aging this, anti-aging that. Anti Let me tell you one secret. No matter all the anti-aging you take, this body will age. <laughs> now that's the truth. It will age. It's just a matter of time. Come on. Yeah. But there is a body, hallelujah, that God has prepared for us. There is a body that God has prepared for you. Perfect body. Perfect body. My Lord. Yeah, let's read on. Let's read on. Come on. Yes. Verse 6. So... We are always confident. Come on. Are you confident? I am confident. Always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Okay? Verse 7. Come on. For we live by believing, not by seeing. Okay? So stop looking at your body now and say, God, have you forsaken me or what? Why am I looking like this? Don't say that. That's walking by sight. Hallelujah. You're beautiful in his sight. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. Let's read on. Come on. For... Um, Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we will be at home with the Lord. Okay, verse 9. Just keep going until I stop you. Okay, don't, don't stop. So, whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If we are in, the right, in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. Thank you. Amen. So from this passage, if you read from verse 1 to verse 15, there are some compelling motivations I see there. What motivates us? There are several factors that should motivate us to obey the Lord. That should motivate us to, to, to do all we can to please the Lord. Okay? I know some people believe that there is nothing you can do to please the Lord. God is already pleased with you because of Jesus and all of that. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can do to, to cause God to love you more. Okay? He has loved you unconditionally. But His pleasure, there are people. There are many scriptures to, that confirm that there are people the Lord does not have pleasure with. He's not pleased with some people. Okay? So there is a way we live our lives. That will please God. There is no way you can live your life that God will hate you. But there is a way. If you, if you don't love him. If you don't love him. He won't stop loving you. But he will be sad that you don't love him. Do you understand what I am saying? So it will displease him that you don't love him. But he will never stop loving you. All right? So there are things, there are things there. There are some things here that I've seen that some motivations, okay? And I want, to, I want to give them to you quickly, quickly, okay? The number one motivation, okay, I'll say is our inheritance. Our inheritance in Christ, our inheritance of this new body. The inheritance of this new body. I don't know about you. I'm looking for, forward to a body that is saved right now your body is not saved do you know that your, your your spirit is saved but your body is not saved your body is not saved yeah that's why sometimes it gets sick a saved body cannot be sick <laughs> hallelujah 
A safe body cannot be weary. Yeah. A safe body cannot have wrinkles. Come on. A safe body cannot, uh, you know, cannot be scarred. Yeah. There's nothing, not a safe body. Like Jesus, when he rose from the dead, the body that he got when he rose from the dead was different from the body that he had before he went to the cross. Do you know that? Yeah. So he got the resurrection body. There's a body that can enter, pass through, through walls. Can, a body that, you know, can appear and disappear. Glory to God. There's a body like that for you. God has prepared that for you already. And from time to time, God is going to give us glimpses and give us opportunities to experience that body. To taste of the powers of the age to come. Hallelujah. How would you love that? Yeah. You, you, you are just, you're just moving. Somebody wants to, somebody wants to hit you and all of a sudden the hand just passes. It just passes through. He stretches it and it passes through as if you are a spirit. Come on. Yeah. There's a place like that. Hmm? So there is, there is a body that God has prepared for us. So in view of that, you know, body, tent, there are different words that, um, that Paul used. He calls it a building, he calls it a body. It's all, it's, it's, it's a tent, it's, it's, it's tabernacle, it's what? It's all the body that God has prepared. So think about that as you live your life. I don't know about you. I want to put on that body. So I want to live my life in such a way that I will put it on. Glory to God. Yeah. And in this move of God that we are we're pressing into, you will be given opportunities to experience this body from time to time. Yeah, I'm telling you. There are many records, historical records, that confirm what I'm saying. Yeah. How about your body healing the sick? Come on, don't you like that? You just walk. Imagine you just walk past a cripple and then he jumps up. You didn't even pray. You just walk past. He jumps up and says, Praise the Lord, I'm healed! Woo! There's something you can carry in your body. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's something, there's a glory you can carry in your body. When we sang that song, let your glory fill this house. What, are you, what do you think? Is it the building? No, no, you are the house. You are the house. Let the glory fill your house. His house, which is you. So, because of that, because of that, let that be something that should motivate you. Okay? Motivate you to, to, to press in more into God. So that you can carry this thing in your body. Hallelujah. So you can manifest this. There was a pastor. You know, um, well, I said there was. He's still there. <laughs> it's not... It's not going to be with the Lord, but, you know, he used to have, I mean, they had, 
they had a mighty revival and there was a um, there was an explosion in the in their church it was the miraculous just exploded you know significantly and so there is a when coming into church there is a door that he used to pass through all right he would pass through this door to get into the church and, and, and I mean, there were thousands of people, so many multiples of thousands of people. And so he, he didn't know, he didn't realize, but wherever he comes out of his car, he know people always used to come around his car and they just want to stand where he's passing. So, he just thought, no, it's a crowd, you know? It's just a crowd of people everywhere because people were everywhere, <laughs> more or less. And, and one day, you know, he was surprised when they were taking testimonies because they used to take testimonies, you know, and all of that. And then he heard somebody say, you know, I, I mean, it was, I, I, I really tried so hard to get to that place where pastor used to pass because I just needed to get to that point. And I just knew that if I got there, I'll be healed. So it was later he discovered that most of the people that used to stand there used to get healed. Just by him passing. How about that? Yeah. So let, let's know, let's be aware. And that's why he says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So how you handle your body is important. Okay, like, handle your body in a way that it can carry glory. It can carry the glory of God. Handle your body in a way that the glory of God can reside in your body and also manifest through your body from time to time. So people were always standing there. Sometimes they tried to touch him, you know, and all of that. Exactly what used to happen to Jesus was happening to this pastor, but he didn't know until people began to testify. So may your body carry the supernatural power of God. May your body carry the glory of God. May your body carry the extraordinary. May your body carry the unimaginable. Hallelujah. Yeah. So let that, let, let that desire motivate you to obey God. What does God require of me in order for my body to carry this kind of power? Ask yourself, what does God require of me for me to enter into this inheritance that Jesus paid for and carry this power? I don't know about you, to me, that is compelling. That's a compelling motivation. Yes? Glory to God. Now, the second motivation, still in this verse, uh, uh, still in this um, passage, let me skip to verse, verse 10. Let's skip to verse 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, 
according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the fact that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us, without exception, is going to stand before the seat, the seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Let that motivate you to obey him because you are going to face him. Yeah, so when you stand before him and he says, what did you do with the Great Commission? What are you going to tell him? I didn't feel like it. Or will you tell him, it's not my calling? Or will you tell him, it wasn't convenient? Or will you tell him, I had many issues? What are you going to tell him? What excuses do you have? You're going to stand before him. The one that gave the commission, you will stand before him. What are you going to tell him? <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, we're all, every one of us. Let's see. He says, for we must all stand. What is left out, apart from all, outside of all? Nothing. We must all as long as you are in Christ, you must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let that motivate you. Just think about that. Let it motivate you. Yeah. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is different from the judgment of unbelievers. Okay? Because unbelievers, when you, when, 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 if, you under, if you understand the doctrines... Some of part of the foundational doctrines of Christ is eternal judgment. If you understand the doctrine of eternal judgment, there is what is known as the white throne judgment. Okay, white throne judgment that one, that white throne judgment is the Father Himself. All right, that is where God is going to judge the world. All right, uh. Or rather, the white throne judgment is for the world. But those who are in Christ, this is that. This is for us. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. The white throne judgment, it's a throne. This one is a seat. Different. So the, Jesus, the, the Father has given Jesus this one to say, you're going to judge them. And in the Greek, the word judge, judgment, uh, the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ is called the beamer seat of Christ. That's the reward seat of Christ. So you might still, you might not go to hell, okay, when you come before this, this judgment. You might not go to hell, but you will lose reward. You will either have or lack reward. Okay. Yeah. So that's the difference between them. So you can be in heaven. And be singing praise the Lord. Dancing. All your favorite. You know. Whatever. <laughs> Although there are some of your favorite songs. That won't be sung in heaven. You'll be surprised. Some of the songs you love. Won't be in heaven. <laughs> yeah you know but you will you will so it right there in heaven you'll be rejoicing but then you'll be seeing 
you know, you'll see, be seeing Mpo's reward. you see Mpo's mansion. You go to, you know, Sani's mansion. And then you will just have a shack somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you think we will all be rewarded equally? No. We're not all going to be rewarded equally. That's the confusion some Christians have. They think that because, because of grace, they think that because of grace, every one of us are going to have the same reward. No! Grace has nothing to do with reward. Hallelujah! Grace has to do with what Jesus did. But your reward has to do with what you did. Yeah! So those of you that want, don't want to serve, you, you are the one cheating yourself. You, you're cheating yourself. You're robbing yourself. If you don't want to be faithful, you're robbing yourself. You're not being faithful to please anybody. You, you know, you're not serving to make the pastor happy. No, you are serving as unto the Lord. If they have to keep begging you to be faithful to serve, do you know, do you know there's no reward there? But when you do it with your heart, God looks at it. There is a reward for that. When you stand before Jesus, if you read 1 Corinthians, 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, I don't want to go there. Go just read 1 Corinthians 3. You see that each man's work will be tried. Some people's work, some people build with Gold, silver, precious things. Some with wood, hay, and straw. Stubble. And so when your works are put before Christ, the fire in his eyes will come out and over those works. If the works survive, then you get a reward. But it's a, if the fire from his eyes come out and then it consumes it. You are saved, but no reward. That's where he'll be wiping your tears. Sorry. Just enjoy your shack by the corner there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the Bible. But there are some people are going to, some people's mansion. <laughs> Kula Baha. For me, I want my mansion to be the size of Midrand. <laughs> yeah, you, you can want what you want. I'm just telling you what I want. So why are you looking at me as if I'm being, as if I'm being greedy or something? I'm, I'm, it's just what I want. You are free to have whatever you want. Huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So, so this is speaking about the, the judgment seat of Christ. Let this motivate you. Let this compel you. Hallelujah. It's a compelling motivation. When you think about that, instead of looking at people and hearing what everybody's saying, this body is saying this, this one is saying this, then you get, and then they are affecting your commitment. They are affecting your obedience. They are affecting your conviction. You, you, you better know it. Because when you stand there before him, those people won't be there. You will be on your own. Your husband won't be there. 
Your wife won't be there. Your parents won't be there. Hallelujah. You'll be alone. You will answer for yourself. So when you stand before him, you can't say, well, you know, uh, my whatever told me not to. That's all. Yeah, okay. Is that who called you? Is that the person going to judge you? Let the person judge you. The person that is going to judge you, be the one to have the final say in your life. Are you following me? Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many people want to obey God now? Yes, I want to obey Him more and more and more. But you see, why? What is another compelling um, motivation? Look at uh, the next verse, really. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. You see, because of this fear, the, 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 the fear, the, the King James says, the terror of the Lord. Now, I know in some brands of, of Christianity, the fear of the Lord, you should, not use, you should not use words like fear. Everything, you know, fear should be taken out. But you, you, you need to understand, you need to be balanced as a Christian. Okay, the fear of the Lord is not a negative fear. The fear of the Lord is a healthy thing. The fear of the Lord is actually necessary. The fear of the Lord is needed. In fact, we need the fear of God more than we have today. The fear of God is lacking in the body of Christ. The fear of God needs to be present in our lives. The fear of God, we need the fear of God in society. We need the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't have the fear of the Lord, we cannot even access the wisdom of God. If we don't have the fear of God, there are things we cannot access. Knowledge, for instance. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There are things you cannot know about God. There are things, there's some levels of knowledge you cannot access without the fear of the Lord. So don't tell me the fear of the Lord. Fear is is negative. Not every fear is negative. It's the, it's, 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 it's the fear that is brought by the enemy that is negative. That's the one we should avoid. The fear of men is what we should avoid. The fear of men is, is a snare, the Bible says. But the fear of the Lord, it says to fear the Lord is to depart from evil. Hallelujah. So when you fear God, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the absolute dread of displeasing Him. Never beg anybody to serve God. Do you understand me? If they don't want to, let them not do it. Because why? They're not doing it for anybody else. It's for their benefit. But you see, when you fear God, you know, you have this, you understand this responsibility. This thing is a weight on you. But at the same time, it's a liberator for you. 
it weighs on your conscience, but again, it frees you from other things that the enemy want to put on you. Hallelujah. That's why when you fear only God, you're not afraid to be killed for God. It frees you from the fear of death. The fear of the Lord frees you from other fears. So we need the fear of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let the fear of the Lord, may the Lord smite me with his fear. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm praying for myself. You, 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 you can pray whatever you want. But I'm just asking, God, strike me with your fear. Let your fear grip my heart. Hallelujah. That I'll be so, um, so scared of displeasing him. Hallelujah. I don't want to displease him. You can call it whatever you want. You can, you can make fun of me for that, for whatever, but I know the fear of the Lord is good for me. It's good for me. Yeah. Glory, glory, glory. Yeah. <sighs> Look at a scripture in, let's open quickly to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. You think that the fear of the Lord is not good. Look at, look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, The church then had peace. This was after the conversion of, of, of Saul. Okay, Saul became poor. When he got saved and people were scared. They were scared. You know, this guy, if I wanted to join the disciples, they were, they were scared. No, no, no. Please, this guy, no. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, but after, you know, um, the Bible says, okay, let's read. It says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger. Hallelujah. The church became stronger as the believers lived in what? Is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord makes you stronger. Come on. Makes you stronger. The terror of the Lord. Some people need the terror of the Lord in their lives so that they can wake up. Yeah. That should be a motivation, a, a motivating factor. Glory to God. My goodness. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let the fear of the Lord be established in this house. Lord, I pray that the fear of the Lord will be established in our homes. If you fear the Lord, you will not be hypocritical. If you fear the Lord, whether somebody is there or not, you know the Lord is there. But when you don't fear the Lord, you only live you only live right when there are people around. When they're not around, you can just live the way you want. If you don't fear God, that's how you're going to live. But when you fear God, you know if there's nobody around, Jesus is there. You know the Holy Spirit is there. You know God is there. So you're not going to, you're not going to make any dumb decision because nobody's looking at you. Because you know the all-seeing eye is on you. The fear of the Lord establishes that. 
and we need that. And if you look at society today, our society is taking systematically the fear of the Lord out. There are things that are happening to take the fear of the Lord out. Why do we have to take the Bible away from schools? Why do we have to take prayer from schools? So that the fear of the Lord can be removed. You see, you see, there are so many things happening. You, 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 sometimes we just look at things happening. We don't interpret them by the Spirit. But if you are a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, you know what is going on. This is the fear of the Lord. You see, when Europe took away Bible, when they took away discipline, all right, when they took away discipline from, 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 from homes, you know what they ended up with? Children killing each other. Children killing their parents. The other day, a boy killed his mother. He assassinated his mother. Why? Because the mother refused to give him something he asked for. What kind, of, what kind of life is that? What kind of world is that? That's a world where the fear of God has been taken out. And that's why I'm weary of messages. I don't care your theological persuasion. Any message that takes away the fear of God, I don't want it. I don't want it in my spirit. I'm not going to consume that. Because I need the fear of the Lord to be healthy and to remain sound, to remain balanced. Give me any crap. You know, I'm telling you, we need the fear of God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray. I pray, oh God, that you would help us. Do a work in us. Help us, oh Father, that we will be people a people that are motivated, that are motivated, oh Father, by the reward, by the inheritance, motivated by the inheritance that is ahead of us. We will also be people that are motivated by the understanding that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll also be people that will be motivated by the fear the terror of the Lord. Lord, I ask that you will fill our hearts with the fear of the Lord. Let the fear of the Lord, O oh Father, fill our hearts. Let the spirit of the fear of the Lord take hold of this house. Take hold of us as a people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we will not be confident in disobedience. But we will, oh Father God, because of the terror of the Lord, continue to obey you. Build in us and increase our capacity for obedience. Lord my God, help us. Help us. Not to be people that are blown by the winds that are blowing across the earth. The winds that are making people unstable. 
in their walk with you. Lord, I pray, I pray, oh God, that you would help us bring stability to our lives. For those who are unstable, let there be stability. Strengthen the weak, strengthen the feeble. Lord, my God, I pray for more grace for your people. It's not by might, nor by power. It's by your spirit. Do a work in us. Help us this morning. Help us, oh God. Help us. We want to please you. We want to please you. Let our lives be pleasing to you. Lord, my God, I pray. I pray for everyone, every soul. Lord God, everyone listening to me. Lord, I ask that you do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our hearts, oh God. Let the spirit of the age not possess our hearts. Lord God, Lord God, deliver us from religion, oh God. Deliver us so far from the spirit that, that goes through the motions but never cares to obey. Deliver us from that spirit. Thank you, Father. I give you praise. I give you glory. Blessed be your holy name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God bless you real good. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.